There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. I came here trying to find a way to stop the current uh, unheard of war uh, going on in Sudan, which is a, a real tragedy. The U.S. Special Envoy for the Horn of Africa, Mike Hammer. But it's uh, frankly the, the largest humanitarian crisis that uh, no one is talking about. Over six million people have been displaced in Sudan. There have been horrific uh, atrocities, war crimes. It's sort of haunting memories of, of the genocide that, that occurred in Darfur 20 years ago. That's coming up in this episode of Target USA. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For the past few months, we've been heavily focused on what's taking place in Gaza and in Israel. And for the last two years, we've been looking at what's taking place in Ukraine, the war with Russia. But what we haven't paid a lot of attention to is Africa. The U.S. Special Envoy for the Horn of Africa, Mike Hammer, is on an extended trip there. And he's engaged in some very important dialogues right now. He joined us for a conversation about this this week. Ambassador, you are on a pretty significant and fairly long trip right now. Uh, and I want to get into some of the things you're doing along this trip in just a moment. But I know you're in Qatar right now. Uh, I believe you are. And this is a critical place right now because of the situation uh, in Israel and Gaza. Could you give us a sense of uh, what your objectives are in this place you're in now? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, JJ, again for reaching out. I am, in fact, in Doha, Qatar, uh, and was participating in the Doha Forum. But I came here very much focused on uh, the purview of my mandate, which is uh, to work uh, with uh, our African partners uh, on trying to find a way to stop the current uh, uh, unheard of war uh, going on in Sudan which is a real tragedy. So I participated in a panel uh, yesterday uh, where we highlighted uh, U.S. Uh, engagement, again, with our African partners, and we can go into greater detail. But it's, uh, frankly, the, the largest humanitarian crisis that uh, no one is talking about. Over six million people have been displaced in Sudan. There have been horrific uh, atrocities, war crimes uh, uh, that have been committed, as Secretary Blinken uh, noted in his determination uh, just last week. And, and frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of haunting memories of, uh, of, of the genocide that, that occurred in Darfur 20 years ago. And so uh, we are very much engaged, but uh, had meetings today with Qatari officials in terms of the work that they're doing 
uh, to, in fact, uh, provide humanitarian assistance to all those Sudanese in, in need. And uh, again, welcome the opportunity to share with you and your, your listeners what the United States is doing, uh, again, to try to bring an end to this horrific conflict uh, in Sudan. Uh, we have some very specific objectives uh, that uh, after the, the fighting broke out on, on April 15th, uh, that we've been engaged in uh, when Secretary Blinken engaged with uh, the chairperson, uh, Musa Faki of the African Union and many other uh, leaders uh, immediately thereafter uh, to, to basically try to achieve uh, key, key objectives. And let me outline those for you. Uh, first, obviously, we want to bring an immediate uh, end uh, to the fighting. Uh, secondly, we want to ensure the unhindered uh, access uh, for humanitarian assistance uh, to all those people uh, in need. Uh, third, to, to make very clear that there can be no acceptable military uh, solution uh, to this conflict. And in, in conjunction with that, the fourth element is obviously uh, making uh, very clear together with our African partners in the region that there should not, should not be uh, outside interference and outside support for the warring parties, the uh, Sudanese armed forces and the rapid uh, reaction forces. Uh, and lastly, that the United States, uh, together with our uh, African partners, want to be supportive of uh, Sudanese-led, Sudanese-owned civilian process that can provide a durable solution and a return to civilian governance. You know probably very well, JJ, that there was a Sudanese revolution that, you know, basically uh, the, the Sudanese people express their desire for democratic governance, and that's been stolen from them. And we need to uh, create the conditions that allow them, uh, the civilians, to uh, determine the future of Sudan. So it's a busy schedule. Uh, and from here, I will be departing at the crack of dawn uh, uh, today, uh, uh, a little later on, uh, for Addis Ababa, where we'll be dealing with issues pertaining to Ethiopia. And we can get into that part of uh, our trip uh, as well during our chat today. Okay, well, let's break a bit of this down. Um, you have talked about what you're you're doing in, in Qatar at this moment regarding Sudan. And I know we started to cover this, this war, this situation, when things broke out. Um, but there are so many other things that have broken out that have distracted journalists and people in general, including the war in Israel and, and the war between Israel and Hamas and, of course, what's going on in Ukraine. But um, extremism, I think, has played a key role in what's taking place in in Sudan. You know, um, basically, according to some of the folks I've talked to, basically ex extremists and terrorism have wafted their way into this conflict and are driving a good bit of it. W what's your view on that? Yeah, no, uh, thanks, JJ. And I really appreciate that you're giving this uh, conflict in Sudan coverage and visibility. Uh, let me assure you that the United States has been laser focused, despite, of course, the other uh, very troublesome hotspots uh, around the world that you've listed. Uh, we have stayed uh, laser focused from the beginning of this conflict on April 15th. But even before, we were trying to work to facilitate a return to civilian democratic uh, rule uh, in Sudan. And of course, there are, as you point out, concern about Islamists returning uh, to power, of course, concerns about uh, the risk of terrorism. But right now, what you have is two parties uh, in the Sudanese armed forces and the rapid uh, support forces who are 
basically destroying, raping uh, the country. And it, it needs to stop. Uh, and that is what we've been engaged in. Uh, in fact, the first stop of my visit was uh, in Djibouti, uh, where the Intergovernmental Authority on Development for East Africa, the basically eight countries in uh, this region, uh, uh, for your listeners, uh, Djibouti, Eritrea, uh, Ethiopia, Kenya, Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan, and Uganda, uh, were uh, coming together again to try to address the crisis uh, in Sudan and trying to ensure that uh, a stop could be brought uh, to this horrific uh, violence. And the results of that summit were that both uh, General Burhan, who heads the uh, Sudanese Armed Forces, and General Hameti, who ha heads the Rapid Support Forces, uh, committed uh, to the African leaders, uh, uh, the summit in which we just participated, that they would uh, accept and uh, commit to a unconditional ceasefire. Uh, and secondly, that they would uh, meet face-to-face uh, uh, -face on a one-to-one -one meeting uh, facilitated, again, by EGAD, this uh, regional organization, an effort that the United States supports. But uh, probably, as you know, JJ, we've been working uh, previously in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, to try to achieve uh, ceasefires, to try to uh, push forward with greater humanitarian uh, access. But we've been frustrated and that process has been stalled. We were working there with uh, Saudi Arabia and EGAD, and yet the, these belligerents have not delivered on their commitments. So while we are uh, heartened uh, in some way that uh, the leaders uh, of this conflict have made a, a yet a new commitment, uh, there needs to be follow through. There needs to be action. And we want to be supportive, again, of our African partners who are trying to to really uh, bring an end to, to this horrific situation. And uh, it requires, uh, again, bringing in other partners uh, in the Gulf, uh, for example, the United Arab Emirates, uh, uh, Egypt is an important player. So we're involved, uh, again, with uh, the, the lead African nations, but also other international actors, the UN, uh, other uh, institutions. So uh, it is, uh, something that uh, we are putting a lot of diplomatic muscle towards. Uh, Secretary Blinken has been personally uh, quite engaged. Our colleagues over at the White House and other agencies, uh, USAID, of course, on the humanitarian front, the U.S. Agency for International Development. So uh, this is a, a all-hands-on-deck effort that includes, you know, our Assistant Secretary Molly Fee, uh, for, who leads on our Bureau for African Affairs, and our Ambassador uh, to Sudan, who's currently uh, had to relocate uh, uh, to Addis Ababa, John Godfrey, and we've even brought in a, uh, a former ambassador, Daniel Rubenstein, who's been working in Jeddah. So really, we are de devoting uh, a lot of uh, attention and effort uh, to end this war. Mike, um, uh, if I might, um, Ambassador, you know, I mentioned to you this concern about extremism. Um, and uh, speaking of which, you are in Qatar again. Um, about a week or so ago, the um, the counter-extremism project, which has been very active for a number of years, fighting extremism in a number of different places, called on every participant that was going to the Doha conference to confront Qatar about the fact that it has sponsored and uh, financed and helped Hamas, speaking of extremist organizations, for years. 
And um, even though they played a key role in negotiating hostage releases, and I know this isn't your 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 portfolio, but you are an American that is in Qatar right now. Um, what can you say? What do you have to say about the situation in Qatar? How does Qatar feel about the situation they're in? Yeah, no. Well, I'm glad you pointed out that it's it's not within my lane. And so I, I'm really very much focused uh, on my visit here, on the, the, the work that we do with the Qataris as it relates to the Horn of Africa. In particular, as I mentioned, the humanitarian assistance that they're providing to the Sudanese people. And we got uh, today uh, further commitments that they will step up and help. Again, uh, over six million people right. have been displaced. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, on the counterterrorism front and in, in part of the, the work that I do on Somalia, we actually did talk about uh, efforts that we can do together with others uh, to counter al-Shabaab. But uh, on the other issues, uh, frankly, I will leave it to our ambassador, a very able ambassador here and others back in Washington uh, to, to address uh, the concerns that you, you've raised. Uh, but uh, in, but are, in the are work they not I talking? Are they not talking at all, or is is, is there nothing? They're, they're not saying anything about that situation at all, uh, the Qatari government? I wouldn't say that, JJ. Uh, we are a large government with uh, many uh, senior uh, high-level uh, uh, officials uh, engaging with the Qataris on a broad range of issues. What I'm saying is that I, I'm only in a, a position here to talk about the work that I'm uh, responsible for, uh, mm -hmm. the efforts we're trying to do in the Horn of Africa. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, speaking of um, the other things that you're doing, Ethiopia, Djibouti, um, what's next? Yeah, so I'm headed uh, to Ethiopia uh, tomorrow, uh, where I'll have an opportunity to continue to follow up. You may remember, JJ, uh, well, uh, over a year ago, uh, we were in a, in a horrific uh, circumstance uh, in northern Ethiopia, war in Tigray which uh, cost the lives of hundreds of thousands of Ethiopians. And when I took on this job in, in June of 2022, uh, really I was given uh, the mandate to try to work with uh, the African Union uh, specifically uh, to try to see how we might be able to bring that uh, war to an end. And it was deemed mission impossible. And uh, I think through a lot of hard work and uh, the, the, the efforts uh, of uh, the African Union, specifically the high-level panel that included uh, people like former president of Kenya, uh, Uhuru Kenyatta, former president of Nigeria, uh, Obasanjo, as well as uh, Madame Pumzile of South Africa, and the United States there as, as observers together with the United Nations and EGAD. Uh, we were able to achieve a cessation of hostilities agreement on November 2nd of 2022. And even uh, though we're, you know, we are very pleased, again, it silenced the guns. Um, we are still following through on the implementation. For example, we are concerned about continuing uh, Eritrean troop presence in, in northern Ethiopia. There are contested areas that need to be uh, resolved through political dialogue. So that's one big agenda item is the follow through with the African Union, with the Ethiopian government and the interim regional administration of Tigray. Uh, secondly, uh, you may have been following in the news. I was uh, not too long ago. In fact, last month, uh, spent a, a couple of weeks in Dar es Salaam. Uh, participating in talks uh, between the government of Ethiopia and the uh, Oromo Liberation Army, uh, again, to try to bring up uh, an end to that conflict in, in Oromia. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those talks ended without an agreement, but we'll continue to 
to work very hard to address that. And you've probably been following uh, the, the, the concerns about now in the Amhara region and concerns about human rights violations happening there. And so we'll have a very robust uh, conversation with uh, Ethiopian authorities, uh, urging them to find uh, ways to resolve these uh, very complex and complicated historical uh, ethnic uh, problems uh, through dialogue uh, yeah. and not not through more military uh, efforts. And uh, of course, to uphold uh, human rights and ensure that those who are committing human rights abuses are held to account. Ambassador, one final thing. Um, it seemed as though to me that we've lost a lot of ground when you look at the continent, um, you know, there's been this movement, certainly not unnoticed by the Russian government, to try to essentially draw in African nations to their 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 view and their way of doing things, and, and not the least of which is, I think, um, Niger. Uh, there have been a couple of other countries as well where they, in West Africa, where they've been very active. Um, the uh, these I mean they I mean uh, Russian operatives and in, including of course the um the group that Yevgeny uh, Prigozhin was involved in before he uh, was killed. Uh, so is the U.S. concerned about the fact that the West may be losing ground in that region? Yeah. Well, let me let me tell you, JJ spent uh, nearly four years as ambassador to the Democratic Republic of Congo, and now for the past year. In a bit, I've been working on on the Horn of Africa. First, let let me say this. I mean, we in the Biden administration is very focused on building and strengthening our partnerships with uh, the African continent. You're probably well aware of the African Leaders Summit that President Biden uh, hosted uh, last December, and uh, the efforts we're trying to do again to to really have the kind of uh, partnership that is beneficial to the African people that generates prosperity that allows them to live in freedom and to 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 not uh, have to to, uh, to to really face some of the conditions that you know are on the health front that uh, you know they experienced through covid and we are perhaps and without a doubt by far the, the largest uh, donor of assistance both in terms of humanitarian assistance health assistance through the pepfar program and others but let me say this um, when we talk about uh, and you raise you know concerns whether it's china or russia or other actors whenever i have conversations with uh, regular people african youth and women and uh, people in the business sector you know what they want to be closer to the united states they want to have their societies be democratic. They want opportunity, they want education, they want healthcare. And that's where we are a much better partner and they recognize that. And so that's the strength of, of, of our American democracy and history and diversity and they appreciate that. And so we just need to be very present and there as, as a true partner. And that's the commitment that President Biden made from the very beginning of his administration uh, in February of 2021, when he addressed the, the African Union uh, leaders at their summit and offered that uh, stretched hand of, of partnership. And so 
Yes, we have to be mindful of uh, nefarious actors, as you pointed out, Progrosian's group, uh, uh, in the Wagner group, uh, certainly, uh, and those that are uh, trying to create instability and support for uh, undemocratic uh, action. Uh, but uh, I, again, I'm, I'm heartened by uh, how hard uh, my colleagues throughout the interagency are working in the effort that is being made to give uh, voice and strength uh, to those youth, uh, to those who, who want a, a better future and see that uh, uh, through their connections with the United States and with U.S. support, they can uh, realize their dreams. And so we'll, we'll keep working on that. And uh, it's a very complicated world, as I know you fully appreciate, JJ. And uh, uh, we, are, we have our eye on the ball when it comes to questions relating to terrorism, absolutely, uh, and extremism. But at the same time, we're investing in uh, African youth and African lives uh, to, to, again, have the kind of work that 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 w makes us, and I think the American taxpayer, uh, proud. And we haven't even talked about you know climate change and other uh, food security issues, where again the United States is leading. Well, that may be a good conversation for another time, Ambassador yeah. Mike Hammer. Thank you for your time. You're most welcome. Thank you for for reaching out, and we'll see you uh, back uh, at home, uh, back in the district. That's it for this episode of Target USA, coming up in our next episode. The latest and most up-to-date information that we can find about the conflicts, the issues, and problems regarding U.S. national security around the world, here at home and abroad, of course. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.